0: Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high-quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a 5-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles will show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. You guys know I'm all about finding ways to minimize both clutter and overspending. If you're looking to reduce your clothes spending while still having new styles to try, this is for you. I have a couple events coming up that I'd love to have new pieces for. With the clothes I got from Armoire, I can have multiple high-end options for the price of one outfit. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style/debtfreemom. That's armoire.style, a r m o i r e. dot style slash debtfreemom to get up to fifty percent off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. When two adults with two very different interests, priorities, and stressors come together to manage one budget, it can become contentious, and not budgeting at all feels better. Today, my husband Kyle and I are going to share about how we each contribute to managing our family's finances in very different ways. We're going to chat about the three kinds of financial reports every organization and household should understand. I'm Carly Hill. And I'm Kyle Hill. And this is the Debt-Free Mom Podcast. Okay, on today's episode, we are getting together to talk about the difference between a pay period budget and a monthly budget. So this is something I bring up all the time on the podcast in custom budgets, helping people understand that there is a fundamental difference between a monthly budget and a pay period budget. It's not simply a issue of how long are you looking at 30 days versus 14 days. It actually operates differently when you're planning your budget out according to your specific pay schedules. So the reason Kyle is coming on today to talk about this together is that I understood this from a personal finance perspective, managing our home finances, getting really frustrated with a monthly budget, and then finding a tool that worked better for me that did follow my pay periods. And I was the home budgeter and still am the home budgeter for us. And in his previous job working full time, he worked at a nonprofit organization and managed their finances. So he was better understanding the business side of financial management, cash flow management. And he actually made a connection probably a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago, connecting the difference between a monthly budget and a pay period budget, connecting to different tools that business finances use to help manage their money. So Kyle, with a budget that is a monthly budget in a home for someone who's not paid once a month. So they're getting maybe one person works and gets paid every other Friday, and one person gets paid like the first and 15th of every month, but they're budgeting as a, with a month as a whole. What's the equivalent business tool that that person is actually running when they're running a monthly budget?
1: So when I took over managing the finances for the nonprofit organization that I was leading, I learned about the three pillars of understanding financial reports and there are three key things that we have to understand when operating a business budget and those are also very important pieces to understanding whole finance management as well except we just don't call them the same things. Um, so the three reports when you're talking about business finances, organization finances, the three reports are a profit and loss report or a p and a cash flow report, be the second one. And then the third one is your balance sheet. And so understanding how all three of those reports fit together, help you understand how your money works in a business. And there's also a lot of correlations and a lot of helpful comparisons to home finance management as well with those three reports. So I'll break down those three and what they mean and what they tell you. The profit and loss report. That is the closest equivalent to what you might think of if you are thinking of a home budget, it's tracking from the business side, it's tracking your profit, so what's coming in, your revenue, and it's tracking what's going out uh your expenses, your spending in a certain time frame. so if you're running like an annual profit and loss you're you're mapping out what revenue am I expecting to bring in this coming year, and what am I planning on spending in this coming year and ideally. You want your spending to be less than the money you're bringing in so that you're adding to your savings over time or your profit over time. So when it comes to home finances, that's really what a monthly budget comes down to. It's looking at your month and looking at the amount of money that you expect to be paid from your job, what your paychecks will add up to, and what all your bills and your spending is going out the door. If your profit and loss statement is positive, that means you're gonna to add to your, your savings, your net worth over time. If your monthly budget for your home is positive, that means that you should be adding to your savings over time. If it's negative, you know, it stops it. It's you're you're going into debt or you're you're eating into your savings. And from the business standpoint, you're lowering the assets on your balance sheet. So profit and loss is. Tracking what's coming in and what's going out and how those relate to each other.
0: So would it be fair to say it is helpful for looking at trends? Yeah, you could definitely look at
1: trends in in the reverse. So you could see like over over last quarter, what was our our net revenue? So our what do we bring in minus what we spent? That's your net revenue. So if you're looking back at your previous month for your home finances, if you spent you know a hundred dollars more than you brought in then you could say that, that month was a net hundred dollars negative negative. and then you can look at you know maybe you want to break it down by months for the last year and see how your income and your expenses shifted. because we all know that our expenses are never going to match up exactly with the money that we're bringing in and that's true for business that's true for home finances there's going to be seasons there's gonna be weeks there's gonna be months there's gonna be days when you're gonna spend a lot more than you do at other points mm-hmm. in time. So trying to find the trends of when money's coming in and when it's going out is helpful for understanding kind of the seasonality of your finances in both business and in home finances.
0: So I guess a better word than trend would be it's a big picture view, that it's yeah. kind of zooming out from the individual, like I get paid you know, in a business. It's like I get this revenue deposit on a Friday and this revenue deposit on the 10th of the month. And that's kind of granular, but a P&L can tell you what is the sum total of all of those little pieces that are coming in minus the sum total of all those little pieces that are going out. So that instead of getting stuck in individual transactions or small daily payouts, depending on what the payout for the business is or depending on what the pay schedule is for someone in a personal budget, regardless of the pay frequency or the bill frequency, it lets you zoom out above that and say, on the whole, at the end of the day, am I bringing in profit or am I losing? Exactly.
1: And that's leads into what that second report will tell you, the cash flow report. So that is going to tell you when your money is coming in and going out. You know, if if there's CPAs listening to this so, stop listening. <laughs> yeah, stop listening. <laughs> but this is just you a know, very general overview. Of, to the
0: layman. <laughs> to the layman, this is
1: what it is. So a cash flow report will tell you when your money is coming in and when it's going out. So you could look at a, a profit and loss statement or your monthly budget and know by the end of the month, this is where we'll end up, either positive or negative. But the cash flow report tells you how, how fast that money is coming in and how fast it's going out and at what period of time mm-hmm. that it's doing that. So the reason that this is important is for your home finances, let's say that you set up your income for the month, you know what your paychecks are gonna be, and you have all your bills laid out and you know what your bills are gonna end up by the end of the month. And your profit and loss statement or your monthly budget could tell you we're gonna be in in the green. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be netting positive by the end of the month. What that doesn't tell you is that you have your rent due at the first of the month, and you also have your car insurance premium comes out in that first week of the month, and you have maybe two or three other big expenses in that first week, but you don't get your first paycheck for the month until you know the second week of the month. So you have a ton of money going out at the very front end of your budget, and you don't have any money coming in at the front end of your budget. And so that would be a negative cash flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're spending a lot more than you're bringing in at that moment in time. By the end of the month, everything should shake out, but it doesn't necessarily matter if you can't make it to the end of the month. If you don't have that money to spend when you need to spend it, that negative cash flow can really, really come back to bite you. And that is where I feel like a lot of people get frustrated with their home finance management is when they see, based on my monthly budget, I should have money left over. Where is it going? And it's that, Understanding how your monthly budget or your profit and loss statement interacts with your cash flow, mm-hmm. planning when your money comes in, goes out, how those fit together is super key to really understanding your finances and getting a hold of it.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, if someone who's in that situation, if it's the fifth of the month and they just paid a bunch of large bills and they now realize that their first paycheck doesn't come until the 11th of the month. It is of absolutely no comfort to that person for us to say, oh, well, by the 30th of the month, you'll be fine. Because then the question immediately is, what am I supposed to do in the meantime? Am I supposed to, is it supposed to be that I'm pulling money from savings every time it's the beginning of the month? Am I supposed to be just floating a credit card balance, waiting until my paycheck comes in? And what happens with those things is they both increase frustration because it's, it's just inherently frustrating to watch your savings go down, even if it's temporary. And then number two, floating a credit card balance waiting for that paycheck to arrive also ends up sticking all of your checks to the past so that that check c- comes and you cannot use that check for the next two weeks because you're using it to pay the credit card float from the previous two weeks. So people who are um, experiencing some of those frustrations it might be because you're focusing on a PL, a profit and loss, and the profit and loss statement, which is a monthly budget, if you're not paid once a month, that statement is telling you something that's not false. You will be in a surplus by the end of the month, but it's not the whole picture. You missed out on the cash flow component of will I have the money to will I have the money available to cover the bills I need to cover when those bills are due. Or am I going to find myself constantly trying to play catch up? I talk to people all the time that are like, well, my mortgage is due the first, but I tend to not pay it until that grace period is up. Like there's usually mortgage companies have a grace period of 14 to 15 days. And they're like, well, I just pay it somewhere between the first and the 15th, depending on when I get paid. That's a stressful way to live. Like you have to be on the ball about that, watching your cash flow when really there are ways to make this understandable and visual in advance so that you can plan ahead instead of feeling like you're constantly behind the eight ball of your money.
1: So there are situations where you can have a negative p and and a negative cash flow and still be all right. That doesn't make sense if you just hear those two like, OK, I'm, I'm spending more than I'm making. And it's going out faster than it's coming in. How are you all right in that situation? And that is where your balance sheet comes into place. So that's the third essential report for understanding business finances. And is super helpful for understanding your home finances as well. Your balance sheet is going to tell you the sum total of all of your assets. Everything that you own that's worth something can go on your balance sheet and we'll tell you exactly how much you're worth. It's kind of like a net worth calculator. So for business, that's going to be anything that you had in savings. It's going to be any assets that you own, any property that you own, any you know work equipment that you own, any of your inventory, for products you're selling, all of that goes on your balance sheet. For home finances, how we use it, and I think how most people use it effectively, is just that's how much you have in savings. That's mm-hmm. like your emergency fund. I think that's often as Corley and I are talking about our home finances, we don't call it our balance sheet. We just refer to it as our emergency fund. How much do we have in savings? So that if we do get into a situation where we have a negative budget, a negative pay period, and we're spending it faster than it's coming in, we can look at our balance sheet or our emergency fund and be able to bring in some of that money to cover some expenses so that we can get through that rough period to this place in our budget where we do have that extra money coming in. It's coming in faster than it's going out. And it was kind of a wash at
0: that point. So if you zoom in on small windows of time, if you were to zoom in for our family on beginning of July to end of August, we spent substantially more than we brought in. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars more than we brought in because We went on a two-week vacation, which was planned. And so that came out of that balance sheet, which would be that we had set money aside over time and then we pulled that out of savings to spend it. So we spent more in July on vacation, for example, than what our standard paycheck was because we had set money aside in advance. But number two, we had a, a van accident on that vacation where the van ended up being totaled And so we were responsible for a rental vehicle for 10 days, followed by driving that rental vehicle home and then ultimately purchasing a what I called a placeholder van that was $4,000 in cash before we had gotten a penny from insurance. And we did that on July 29th. On August 11th, we put a security deposit down on this home that we now live in and rent. And then on August 25th, we moved in and paid the first month of rent before we had sold our previous home. So we had a month and a half where we paid both a rent and a mortgage for our home. So all of that together was much larger than what our income was in that same timeframe. So that would have been a negative cash flow sheet. If we were looking at money coming in versus money coming out in those two months, far more money went out than came in. And then for the profit and loss statement, again, if you only looked at from July 1st to August 31st, in a wider lay, wider angle we still would have been i think negative over that wider window of time if you zoom all the way out again you know to our whole year then we're looking at a positive profit and loss but the reason we were able to cover those things and not rely on debt and not be in not be without options when we had a vehicle situation and a home situation was because of our balance sheet which was that high level of savings sitting there Unused, unplanned in any specific terms until something like a car accident would happen. And we say, okay, my budget, which is my cash flow, cannot cover this. My profit and loss, which is my month at a, you know, my whole month couldn't cover this. But if I, if I look at my balance sheet of what do I have available to spend, I can replace this vehicle. I can pay for the rental to get our family home. I can put a security deposit down on a on a rental home. So those layers of protection to our personal finances allowed us to have options in those kind of situations because it is very normal to have seasons of your life both short or even longer, a quarter of a year or something, where you spend more than you bring in. So that is only a problem if you're talking about a zero balance sheet. If you have absolutely nothing in savings, you cannot spend more than you bring in without taking on debt because you don't have another option. You don't have something else to pull from. But when we have a emergency fund or sinking funds, like for our vacation or something, when we have those different layers of protection to our personal finances, we are on the whole totally fine with a season of life that has a loss where we're spending more than we bring in because we have cash available to us. So those three different pieces, one is not more important than the other. We can't say, well, I'm just going to focus on my budget. And as long as I budget really well, I don't need an emergency fund. Or we can't just focus on the profit and loss and say, as long as that looks positive, I don't need to pay attention to my cash flow. They're each telling us very different things and they're each offering us different things when things are going well and when things are not going well. And so we need all of them. One of the books that I read early
1: on To understand these three different reports was called Accounting for the Numberphobic. It was one of those that I picked up right Mm -hmm. when I stepped into the executive leadership position at my previous organization, because I was just like, I got to figure out all this money stuff. And the analogy that that author uses in the book, she says that those three reports are like your dashboard of your car each of the things on your dashboard is going to tell you a different piece of information about your car. And if any one of them is going crazy, then you might be okay for a little while, but eventually something bad's going to happen. So if you're looking at the balance sheet, you can think about that as kind of your gas gauge. You can fill up your gas tank with a ton of gas all the way full. You can fill up your emergency fund with a ton of savings. And that allows you to drive your car for a long time even if you are speeding and even if you're getting terrible gas mileage and you're spending money left and right if you have a full gas tank you're gonna be okay for a while it's when you start getting towards e where you gotta start paying attention mm-hmm. to that really pay attention to that and unlike a car your balance sheet actually go negative when you're talking about personal finance because unlike a car You can charge a credit card. You can take out a home equity loan. You can get, you know, different kinds of financing and put yourself in debt. And when you put debt onto your balance sheet, that is a negative number. Mm -hmm. So you you can actually have a negative net worth, a negative balance sheet, which prevents you from having options when you need it and digs yourself further into a hole. So that when something comes up, when an emergency comes up, when you find yourself in a situation where you have a negative cash flow, you don't have the options that you would if you had a positive balance sheet or a full tank of gas.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really important to understand is that. So we have pay period budgeted since the summer of 2016. I think the assumption when I say like that we're budgeting this way is that every pay period has a surplus on it or we're always operating with extra money left over. So when we were paid biweekly with his previous job before he became self-employed like I am, we regularly had every other pay period that was negative, that showed a negative cash flow. The pay periods where we paid our rent or our mortgage had more expenses than they had income in that one individual pay period but because i was using a tool that allowed me to plan not just one pay period at a time but look at the connection between multiple pay periods over time i was able to recognize that negative cash flow in advance and then set money aside in a in a pay period that had a surplus to use it in the pay period that would have had a deficit so it's not that we are never spending more than we bring in in a a small window of time. It's that we have a way to see when that's going to happen in advance and make plans for it by setting money aside or shifting expenses into other pay periods so that our cash flow is more even. I always say that one of my goals when I'm working with someone on a budget is to take away the roller coaster of having your money feel hot and cold, where you suddenly feel like you have all this money available to you that your checking account has way more in it than you expected to have, which leads to overspending and impulse shopping and feeling like you're untouchable. That's that full tank of gas where you're like, I can drive wherever I want because I have a full tank of gas. And then a week or two later, that checking balance drops lower than they expected and so then that same person 10 days apart is going from i'm flushed with cash and can do whatever i want to nobody buy anything we have to just hunker down at home we can't move we're running out of money um and swinging through that hot and cold is a result of not looking at an accurate cash flow in advance
1: yeah and that is such like you said earlier such a stressful way to live and it's not like we're <laughs> above that like we definitely have seasons that are pretty stressful with finances. Um, I think that's just being a human being mm-hmm. and you know living in the world that we do. Mm-hmm. But trying to uh, just grit your teeth and get through it and hope for the best when it comes to managing your home finances is such a more stressful way to live than planning accurately. When my, When does my money come in? When does it go out? How do I manage when I have a surplus? And how do I manage when I have a deficit? Mm -hmm.
0: So when we talk about this for both businesses and personal finance, like Kyle said, you need all three of these components that a uh, wise business budgeter, business finance manager is looking at all three of these things. They're understanding their P&L, their profit and their loss. They're understanding their cash flow and they're understanding their balance sheet. So when they have to make decisions about purchasing things or they have unexpected expenses come up, they're going to rely on the information, that the different information that all three of those things tell them to make wise decisions about how to pay for it, when, what they can afford, what they need to wait for, at what point do we actually run out of money, at what point are we okay? So all of those things are, are necessary for both a business and someone managing home finances. So when we talk about monthly budgets versus pay period budgets versus having an emergency fund, it's not that one is intrinsically better than the other, or that I want people to not look at a month at a time and only look at a pay period at a time. It's that when we only budget by month and we're not paid once a month, we're missing certain necessary components of our personal finances we have pieces of information that are knowable I think that's a really important thing is it is able to be found out in advance what your cash flow will be so often people are treating it or responding to it as if it's a surprise as if it's something that you just have to wait and see if you are regularly logging into your bank account with your fingers crossed or peeking between your you know hands as you're looking just hoping and saying a prayer that there's going to be money there. There are actually ways to know in advance without having to look at your bank account, whether or not that cash flow is going to be uh, available when you need it. And that's what a budget by pay period does for the 95% of Americans who are not paid once a month is that we can get that summary of our month, that profit and loss, but we actually have ways that we can map out our personal finances in a cash flow format as well to not just say how will my finances look by the end of the month but will i have the money available for the expenses i need to cover when they are due so in a budget by pay period when when we switched from monthly budgeting to pay period budgeting which was again in the summer of 2016 one of the things that shocked me that was such a 180 from how I had felt when I made a monthly budget was the lack of fear. Because with a monthly budget, the monthly budget told me that I would be fine, that I could cover all of our expenses. But I had had enough negative experiences with not actually having the money available when the bill was due that I was often operating out of fear. I was holding on to a lot of extra money in the checking account more than I needed to simply because I was afraid of when bills would be due. I know that I overdrafted multiple times, even though in that month we had plenty of money. I know that I did overdraft a couple of times. And then when I switched to a pay period budget, I was shocked. That the plan I made was able to show me during this pay period, these are the bills that are going to be withdrawn from your checking account. So whether it's on auto pay or I had to write a check for something, this is a total list of the things that will actually be paid for by this specific paycheck. And once I know that, which is different than a monthly budget, once I know the money is going to come in on this date and then these bills are going to be due before you get paid again, when you see that connection of your cash flow between what's going to come in and what that money is actually going to be used for, I no longer found myself really afraid of utility bill auto draft day or feeling like I might need to wait a few days to grocery shop because I need to figure out when the paycheck is going to arrive. So, and And that was not getting a raise. We didn't increase our income. We increased our understanding of what was happening with our cash flow. So I remember vividly the tangible difference in how I felt about our money with the exact same income and the exact same expenses, the amount of fear and stress. And with a monthly budget, I felt like my money was happening to me. Like, I'm just going to look in the bank account and that's going to tell me what I can do. When I made the cash flow statement, when I made the, the pay period budget, I immediately felt in the driver's seat that I was actually going to predetermine what I wanted to do with each pay check and then allow that to play out pay period after pay period. So same amount of income, same amount of expenses, completely different level of fear and confidence. So each of these components are necessary for personal finance management. So as a family, we, we look at an equivalent of these three things. We look at a profit and loss, which for me is simply looking at our pay period budget, but over time, seeing how all six of the upcoming pay periods, how they all flow together, that's kind of that profit and loss. If you've ever looked at the debt-free bond budget template before, you'll see that there are six individual pay periods per tab. In the upper right-hand corner, it's total amount left across all pay periods. So six pay periods of time, all income minus all expenses. That number in the upper right corner is like your profit and loss. It's going to be positive if the sum total of the income is larger than the sum total of the expenses. And that number is gonna be negative if the sum total of the income is smaller than the sum total of the expenses. that's kind of the equivalent of profit and loss for our family. Our cash flow is the individual pay periods and making sure that each individual pay period is positive or having a plan for making sure that it's positive. And then like Kyle explained, the balance sheet is uh, the way that we look at our net worth over time and or the amount of money we have in savings. So Kyle, can you explain a little bit about how each of those three components uh, realistically plays out in our family, both, you know, what's my role? What's your role? What do we talk about together? So when I
1: was running finances for the organization, I would run three reports, I would go into my accounting software, and I would generate a monthly profit and loss report. I would generate a monthly cash flow report and I would generate a balance sheet. So I could look at all three of those things together. What I love about our whole finance management is that I don't have to go into an accounting software and generate those things. The pay period budget template combines a lot of those things mm-hmm. together. And so it's one place where you can get most of this information. So that's really helpful. And it combines it in a way that is intuitive, where you you really do see your money coming in and going out, how quickly it's doing that and when it's doing that, and how that contributes to your overall net income, your income minus your expenses. So when we do budget check-ins, probably not a surprise that you're the one who (laughs) is managing the day-to-day budget of our home finances. So equivalent of me generating a cash flow report is me just asking carly what's going on is
0: me saying here here's some numbers (laughs)
1: yeah when we when we do that it's very easy to get onto the spreadsheet Mm -hmm. together to point to the few columns that we need to look at and to know exactly where we're at and what's going on so that's really helpful i'm not as involved the day-to-day, mm-hmm. I would say the cash flow mm-hmm. uh, of our family. I don't have a good awareness of that mm-hmm. because I don't need to, mm-hmm. uh, because I know that you do. Yeah. And you know we trust each other with our money. So. Yeah.
0: And that that would not work well for everyone. So one thing to know about us is, I. one thing I learned, call back to a previous episode about overcoming overspending with Paige, one thing that she said that really called me out or checked me was to not identify as a spender or saver, to not make that part of your like core unchangeable identity. So I would describe myself as a much higher tendency to spend than Kyle. So Kyle's very intrinsically motivated to save and to wait until purchasing something when when it really needs to be replaced. I find spending to be fun. And so I actually think that it works really well to have the person who is more inclined to spend, be the one to be managing, the cash flow. One thing that is important about the template that I feel the, the accountability for is although he doesn't go in and look at the spreadsheet, it is a shared spreadsheet between the two of us. So I can't hide what our cash flow is. I couldn't just spend, 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 and, and then, you know, have a, a little meeting with him where I'm like, everything's fine. There is actually a way for him to go in and he could see exactly what I've spent on groceries for each individual pay period for the whole year or you know what I allocated towards spending or how much is going towards our kids. So I think that helps when two people are managing one set of finances and the two people have different tendencies, different priorities, having a tool that exists outside of your own head where every time that person who is not as involved wants to know something about the finances, they have to ask you and then you have to explain and then it's easy for them to blame you if there's something that they don't like. I think having a tool that exists outside of us where, he, like he said, he knows that I'm putting all of our numbers in there. If he was just individually curious about like, oh, is our, you know, I don't know, is our restaurant spending getting out of control or something? He wouldn't have to come to me and then have me be like, oh, well, you know, it was it was a really hard month. And so, like, I was really stressed. I didn't want to cook a lot. And that's why I did this. He has a spreadsheet that he can just open and he can look at the numbers and numbers are so much less emotional than than two people in a relationship having to explain away their behavior. So I like that as the both as the budget manager that I don't have to be explaining myself all the time. But two, as the more spendy person, to also have that degree of accountability. And although I'm more likely to be managing it, it is still our budget.
1: Yeah. And then when it comes to our savings, our our emergency fund, our balance sheet, uh, I have we both have our bank app on our phone, and we can look and you know we have a million different savings and checking accounts for different things that we're working towards. Um, but I can see all of them in a list. I can see the total that we had in savings and the total that we had in checking and how it's broken down. So I can just open my day gap and, and look at that too and know how we're making progress in our goals or when we need to pull from our emergency fund. Then I know exactly where we'll stand after we make that make that transfer, make that purchase.
0: So we talked about this summer and all of the transitions that we had, all the large financial expenses that happened at one time. That was a time where we found ourselves having much more discussion about money than we really had had in a very long time. I mean, we had... We had a lot of financial discussions when we were younger and trying to pay off debt. When I was figuring out the pay period budget, then again, when I was leaving jobs because I wanted to stay home, when we bought our house. So these big transitions really increased the amount of communication that we have to have. But we had really gone from the time we bought our house, I would say, to the time that he left his job last October. We really were in like a smooth sailing period. Like we didn't have regular budget check-ins. I was not constantly telling him- exactly what I was doing with our money. And I don't think you really had a lot of questions about it because we were kind of singularly focused on investing for retirement. So it was like, we're making our family run. We're going on, you know, one vacation a year, whatever, keeping up with our cars. And other than that, he knew anything extra I was putting into retirement. This summer, everything was changing all at the same time. And so we really had to continue to work on being on the same page. And honestly, I would say we had the most financial disagreements that we've had over the summer, just trying to work through what you know. Okay, the car thing. You know, what vehicle are we going to replace that with? When are we going to do that? Are we going to rent out the home that we moved out of, or are we going to sell it? And then we just have different priorities on those things, and so we had to continue to come back to looking at the actual numbers and discussing what each of us value and trying to find a, I wouldn't say a compromise. I don't feel like I you know, compromised or had to give up something that I wanted. It was more just each person helping the other one see why they valued a certain thing and then figuring out which one of those best fit into our family's fight. And so with that increased discussion, I feel like there was more you were more in tune with the numbers and, had, you know, like we knew like, OK, we're getting this much from our house sale. We really had to break down. And I do primarily tend to be the one that I'll write out a list of like, OK, I want to use this much for this and this much for this. And then I'll show that to Kyle and then, you know, he'll have, well, I would rather do this instead. And so we have to work through those things. So even though I'm the maybe driving those numbers and stuff, it's still it's certainly not something that I'm doing in isolation. If you're not paid once a month, why are you budgeting that way? A monthly budget ignores the fact that sometimes your expenses are due before the next paycheck is available. A pay period budget is built around your unique pay schedules so that your money doesn't feel like a mess. Create an accurate, realistic plan for getting the most out of each paycheck. Get started budgeting by pay period today with the best-selling budget template and mini course from me, Debt Free Mom. It's available for just $9 at debtfreemom.co slash template. So in that transition, I'm curious to know from your perspective, as those things were changing, did you feel left out of the loop or did you feel like you had a harder time grappling with some of those options because you weren't the one that knew the numbers? Well, I think
1: even, even recently, we're still having a lot of those conversations. Yeah. And because we had such a prolonged period of we knew what our priorities were, we knew I was getting a biweekly paycheck. Mm-hmm. so. By and large, we knew what our income mm-hmm. was. We didn't need to have check-ins about all of that. It was just every once in a while, you know, we had to decide, you know, we're saving for something what we're mm-hmm. going to spend money on. But, you know, for the most part, it was, we didn't ever have to flex that muscle of having those money conversations. Mm-hmm. And money by money conversations, I, I mean, there's always layers of emotion mm-hmm in those conversations because money is not just a number on a spreadsheet Mm -hmm. it money is it's a reflection of what you want exactly and and sometimes you can't articulate Mm -hmm. what you want Mm -hmm. clearly in the moment you might know like subconsciously Mm -hmm. where you want to go but i think for me that was probably the most challenging part of the last several months is on my own assuming that we were on the same page or assuming that we had the same goals or that we would figure it out along the way and being challenged by you as just another person has her own priorities and own thoughts about what we should be doing it wasn't we were not having conversations about where to move this expense on the Mm -hmm. spreadsheet and which you know how to how to color the spreadsheet cells in a way that it was it was where are we going Mm -hmm. as a family Mm -hmm. together and using money as a as a way to get there and so i feel like that's been some of the more challenging conversations they they would have been challenging regardless but because we had such a long time of not necessarily having to check in very regularly Mm -hmm. or not again flexing that muscle was not very good at it, <laughs> and so I. I mean,
0: I would say we weren't because yeah. it, it takes two. You know, it, yeah. it's the it's not that you were bad at something; it was that we were bad with the or we were out of practice with the communicating what we wanted to see happen, listening to the other person's interests and priorities, and then mutually working towards a new goal. Because, like you said, we had such a long period of time where we just knew what the goal was. And so it was, I, like I said, I did not have to, I would go months at a time without being like, all right, this is the extra money we have for the month. This is what I'm going to do with it. I wouldn't even tell him um, because he knew we're, you know, we're taking care of our kids, we're taking care of our home and we're saving for retirement. So like, that's what was happening. And so that stability in our life gave us the ability to be a little bit more on autopilot. And then as your life changes, so like he said, like, Money is so intertwined with everything that we do that, not me and Kyle, everything that anyone does, that when you're taking something as difficult as deciding to move out of the home that you expected to be in for a lot longer, um, having your kids move for the first time in their recent memory, all of those things are emotional. And it is a, it's ripe for disagreement because you're going to have different responses to that. And then throwing in numbers on top of it can make it even harder if you don't already have a basis of understanding what those numbers are for the family. So I feel like, you know, even when in the recently after we moved here, we've had some of those disagreements about mostly about risk tolerance of I am. I am constantly thinking that the sky is falling and he thinks the sky is the best it's ever been. And so having these competing priorities where I'll come to him and be like, okay, we're not going to make it. Like, we, you know, we didn't earn enough money in our business and it's just like, this is it. It's done. You know, everybody needs to go get a salaried job. And I would find myself getting frustrated because I'm like, it's
1: going to be fine. Yeah. So, like, like, sure. Okay, there's a problem, but we'll fix it. And right. we'll be all good. And I know that that's just, I think both of us bringing our complicated selves to Mm -hmm. the table like there is there is validity and there's truth in Mm -hmm. both of those perspectives but it's not the whole picture Mm -hmm. and figuring out you know the grain of truth in both of our perspectives has been really challenging but it's been it's been rewarding Mm -hmm. and i think is making our financial picture a lot stronger yeah i think it's important to clarify at least for me when we have these conversations, especially recently about money, it can be easy to assume that happens like a, like it would in a movie or in mm-hmm. a TV show where it's, you have one conversation that maybe gets a little emotional and then you apologize and the problem is, is figured out mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. That's not at all. <laughs> no, not at all reality. No. I think what, what I'm describing, what I'm thinking of is, we had a conversation around the same topic mm-hmm. once a day, twice a day for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we kept coming back to it after mm-hmm. we thought about it for a little bit or we researched a little bit more, mm-hmm. or we talked to another person who had a different perspective and was informing our. So, like, the, the numbers that we're looking at on the spreadsheet Those didn't change a whole lot, but our perception of them did. And so as we...
0: Our ability, I know we've talked recently about our ability to communicate them. So I remember a conversation we had, you know, within the last three or four weeks where I was upset and I was crying about feeling like our our finances has suddenly gotten really tight and it had a very narrow margin between our income and expenses. And he was kind of like, okay, well, from the business side, like this is one of our best revenue months we've ever had. Like, why is that happening? And I had, try- I had fumbled through in the moment trying to figure out why that was. And then I think it was like the next day I had to come back to him and be like, oh, I forgot to mention that we started renting this home and it's about $450 more a month than our previous home was. And when we first moved here, we were planning to rent out the home that we owned and it was going to make the housing situation a wash where our, our overall net Payment would not change at all because of the rent income that would be coming in. Ultimately, we decided to sell that home, and so because of that, now our monthly expenses have net gone up four fifty a month, which we've been able to absorb. But it just started to feel like a, nar- a more narrow margin. Obviously, I mean, if you decrease the gap between your income and expenses, it's going to feel different. But I was so emotional or worked up at the time in that conversation, that that detail completely escaped me. And because he's not the budget manager, you know, that wasn't something that was front of mind for him either. And so I feel like it was a healthy thing for that moment for both of us to realize on my end, I forgot a large piece of information. And then on your end, it was not that i didn't understand what was going on it was just that i hadn't communicated the the total picture and so just me i remember coming to him he was working at his desk here and i was like i don't want to talk about it again i don't want to bring all everything up again i just want to let you know that i just realized that why i'm feeling this way is because of this change in our housing payment and that's you know one of the numbers that is contributing to this and so i think that helped both of us be like oh okay like we were we were butting heads and we were both missing. We, weren't, we didn't have all the information and that makes it um, easy to disagree. And going back to what we were talking about at the
1: beginning of understanding those three reports and those three pieces, the profit and loss, your monthly budget, the cash flow when your money is coming in and going out and your balance sheet, like your total savings. The assumption that we made when we moved here was that our cash flow was going to stay exactly the same. Our expenses were going to go up, but our income was also going to go up because we were going to be renting out our other house and for we, more than what the mortgage for was. For more than what the mortgage was. So we have a little bit of margin there. And so our cash flow statement would have said zero. Yep. Zero change. Zero change. Even though our profit and loss, our monthly budget looked different mm-hmm. because, you know, we were spending more on rent than we were uh, previously on our mortgage, mm-hmm. we still should not have seen a change when we decided to sell our old house instead of rent it out that really mm-hmm. increased our balance sheet because we made money on the sale
0: but our cash flow actually went negative mm-hmm.
1: because we were
0: we had increased rent here that, we well, that not that, went negative but the but once, the change in cash flow became smaller yes yes that's more accurate so that's why it's i think
1: really helpful to understand for your home finances, how those three pieces fit together, because that was a piece that we had forgotten about as mm-hmm. we were having these disagreements mm-hmm. and led to you know some some tense conversations until we found that mm-hmm. missing piece of information. Oh, yeah, our cash flow that was super different than it was, yep. than we had thought it was going to be, and that helped to clear that up. For us.
0: And I think if I can reflect back on why he might've been frustrated with me, he's more aware of the profit and loss and the balance sheet. So in his view, all of these things had gone up. All of these things had gotten better. We added to our emergency fund. We put a bunch of money away for replacing vehicles. We, you know, set aside money for school payments in advance. So in his eyes, we were like, you know, sitting pretty. We had sold this. We had all this cash. And because that's, you know, that's the component that he's more in tune with, I'm more in tune with the cash flow part. So for me, it didn't matter that we had increased our emergency fund if our cash flow was getting a lot smaller Then in my eyes, we were heading towards starting to eat into that profit and loss into that balance sheet. Um, And so, you know, he was he was more focused on that net worth or that balance sheet, that emergency fund where he's like, you know, if I log into Ally, we have more in there than we ever have. Why are you saying that you're worried about finances? And it's because I was looking at our finances through the lens of the cash flow and saying, you know, that cash flow has gotten smaller, smaller than we expected. And that's what's stressing me out more so than, you know, having a, a larger emergency fund. And so it's just, yeah, like you said, it's just that we're different people with different priorities. We also have different roles inside our home. And so we have to continue coming back to even if we have different roles, different priorities, different interests that we're one home. And so we have to find what those uh, unified goals are and then play into each of our strengths to achieve them instead of feeling like we are competing.
1: Yeah. So that has been a marriage counseling session (laughs) for you guys on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> right after we go get some hair ourselves,
1: <laughs> Yeah. So, so when I took over the finances for the organization, I had to really understand those three essential pillars for managing the finances and understanding how that profit and loss statement, that cash flow statement, and that balance sheet work together. Also, helped me to understand our home finances in a lot greater detail. And as Carly and I have worked together, especially in the last few years, I feel like our finances have been a lot stronger. And not necessarily in the sense that we're like, you know, making it rain all the time or bringing in lottery money, but it's stronger because we have a much greater understanding of what's happening and how to use those things effectively. And that helps our relationship when it comes to managing our finances because we have more knowledge. We have more information that we understand how to use better. And so we're more effectively able to communicate, even though it's still difficult sometimes. We we still have missteps. There's still a lot better communication between the two of us because we have these tools available.
0: Yeah. With that connection between like the business and the personal finances so one thing that often comes up with the like a balance sheet, the emergency fund. So as we've shared, like there's been times in our life where we're spending more than we bring in. Uh, a lot of times when I say, oh, I use my emergency fund for something, people will say, oh, well, I never want to use my emergency fund. I never want to pull money out from that. I think understanding these three components frees me up to use that without stress because I see it as a valid necessary functioning part of a holistic family finances so i think trying to never have a negative cash flow is a losing game i don't think you're ever going to have a perfect year where you're batting a thousand and at all points in the year whether it was any pay period or any month we never spent more than we brought in i i look at enough personal finances of other households in addition to my own to know that that's just not real life And so understanding that these pillars are here to serve us in different ways. So basically, like the cash flow statement is serving us when things are going well and everything is pretty normal. You know, when you're just going through like these are our normal incomes, our normal expenses, what we have left over, we're putting away towards our goals. But then that profit and loss can help us understand on the whole. Is it okay if I have one or two pay periods that are negative or am I washing out at a negative where over time I'm spending more than I bring in? That is a really important piece of information, which, again, is that upper right hand corner of the Debt Free Mom pay period template is individual pay periods might be negative. But if the number in the upper right corner is positive, then you're operating at a profit. You're bringing more in than you spend. And then finally, having that third pillar, which is that emergency fund recognizes that there are going to be points in my life where an expense is my responsibility and I cannot fit it into my cash flow, into my pay period budget. And so, because of that, I'm going to rely on the fact that I have a high balance sheet and can pull money in order to cover an expense and know that in the future I can put it back in. So, I think having that ability to Zoom in and zoom out as necessary because certain decisions require those different things, you know, so determining what we're going to do in the next two weeks with our extra money requires us to zoom in on is this pay period taken care of? But then asking the question, you know, just the other night we had the conversation, how long do we want to live in this rental versus when do we want to move? That's a zoomed out question. So that's looking at are we operating at a profit? what are we going to do with that profit over time to increase our balance sheet to be able to move and so having those components having a tool that allows you to easily see in different time frames depending on what the question is or depending on what the discussion is can really cut down on the stress and and my one of my biggest passions is to take away something that people feel like is unknown And help see that it really is knowable, that it is able to be known. And when it's able to be known, when you have those real pieces of information, we moved, you know, two months ago, I can't imagine moving and increasing my housing without a cash flow statement of any kind, without the ability to look like to look at, can we actually afford this? I talk to people who regularly say, like, I think I can afford that. And then they go and they sign up for the car loan or they get the increased housing payment. That is that's a question that has a yes or no answer. And there are tools that will allow you to answer that question in advance. And that just cuts back on that stress. Like, I don't want to go and move and then go to sleep for the first night in a brand new home being like, man, I sure hope we can pay for this. When you know that you can, because you've looked at the numbers in advance, that decreases the stress, increases the freedom we're talking on Instagram this week about how living without a budget is not freedom. Living in inside of boundaries that help you understand your money is when you actually feel financially free. And that is where that comes in, is when you can go on the trip or when you can make the purchase and have the confidence that it is something that fits into your finances, that's when you are truly able to enjoy it, not when you're able to ignore what's happening in your money and so all of these different components that we've talked about today give us different pieces of information depending on what those decisions are that we need to make and then they can also be things that you use together if you and another person are both trying to manage one set of finances or even if you separate your finances but you live in one household so like your numbers are combined in some form because you're living in one home you're eating out of one fridge all of those things having these tools that give you the information you're looking for helps to not pit the two of you against each other and instead say, all right, let's look together at this set of numbers. This set of numbers is our real numbers. So as much as I may want to do something different than what you want to do, I can't make up that we have more available than we do. Um, And so it can help to turn two people in the same direction instead of being opposed. All right, on today's segment of Not Worth Your Money, Kyle has something that he's going to share and then we're going to discuss about it. So I have no idea in advance what it's going to be. And we're going to each say if we think it is or is not worth our money. So Kyle, what do you have today? All right. This is something that we have spent money
1: on okay. before. Um, Who bought it? I think you actually like typed in the credit card okay, information. Okay. But it was, it was not like a,
0: I got this. Okay.
1: So again, it's not something we've done recently. So it's been a while and I think that helps with
0: objectivity with this meal prep kits, meal Mm -hmm. delivery services. Mm -hmm. I personally am a fan of using them in short term ways in order to get out of a rut or get through a transition or when you're in survival mode. So distinctly remember multiple times where we were on vacation and I would sign up for one week of a meal kit to arrive when we got back so that I didn't have to get home and immediately figure out a meal plan and grocery shopping and all of those things. In the ranking of restaurant versus grocery store versus meal prep kit, it goes restaurant most expensive, meal kit next. In the middle. Meal kit in the middle. And then the most affordable or least expensive would be the grocery store. So I am a fan of them for people who are either afraid to cook or, like I said, in a rep or life transition. I'm not a fan of them for long term. I'm not a fan of them as a permanent solution to eating at home because they still have that factor of you're paying a multiple of what you would pay for the exact same food in a grocery store. And I just don't think in general, it's not like a decades long sustainable option in in my opinion, but I do use them for certain things. Now, we are a family of six. And we have kids that are quite picky. So that was something that it was not no work for me. I'll say that because we have four children. I what I usually did when we had all of those kids as I was having a meal kit was I would get the four serving meal. Obviously, Kyle and I would each get a serving and then I would either split the, two, the other two servings up among the four kids and just kind of give them smaller portions or I would make them something totally separate and I would keep the other two servings for us to have as leftovers for lunch. That's another thing is we are a big leftovers family. We eat a lot of leftovers. We really take advantage of cooking basically one time a day and then having our other meals just kind of be simple things we can throw together using leftovers. So I did feel like I wasn't saving a whole lot of money because we would find ourselves having nothing to reheat for lunch and we were used to having things to reheat for lunch but i'm not i am not like blanket statement opposed to them
1: i would agree i don't i don't think that they're good for a replacement for grocery shopping for most situations most families or most people i really like them in short spurts because i know that i've just like learned how to cook better (laughs) i think that's how a lot of them are marketed but you know like Learn new recipes. Or I think one thing that we talk about all the time is like taking something that we normally cook and adding a little bit of sauce. Sauce, yeah.
0: We talk about sauce all the time. (laughs) Like every plate and home chef, they would be like, you know, oven baked chicken, which is something I do all the time. But it'd be like, you know, mix together this garlic butter sauce on top. And then it was like, how am I eating chicken without this? Like, why? So that, yeah, that is a great, I mean, I'll I will say be prepared to chop veggies if you mm-hmm. if you get a home meal kit okay, of, of any brand I've gotten probably four or five different brands you will be chopping carrots and onions like it's a full-time job yeah. it'll feel like but I do I do see worth in it the other thing is we are in a you know we have a lot of kids at least one of us is home all the time and so we're in a more slower season where we can be in the kitchen if it was just me and Kyle, we didn't have any kids, we both worked full-time out of the home, I might do it long-term and maybe- well, At least more often. And, yeah, and maybe do it as, you know, the three or four meals a week. So maybe I'm going to cook two on two or three on my own and we're going to get the meal kit for two or three because I'm working outside of the house 40, 50 hours a week and we don't have little kids that we need to feed. So, you know, in that scenario, we can make it stretch further. For, yeah, for a big family, I like every plate is the one I like. I don't think there even is an option higher than four servings. Like it, it is not for a five or six person family, but I, yeah, that's a good one. I do like them. I, I tend to, if I do them too frequently back to back, I know there was a time where we did every plate for probably two months. I started to see the repetition in some of the things tasting exactly the same, even if they were called something different. Um, and so for the same reasons that I would sign up because I'm in a rut. I would then pause the subscription because I feel in a, you know, just too many of the same thing over and over. Yeah. Well,
1: that's Not Worth Your Money for Mm -hmm. this week. Thanks for listening to the The Debt-Free Mom podcast. And we'll be back again next week
0: with another Not Worth Your Money. So that segment could be called Sometimes Worth Your Money. Sometimes. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Mom podcast. If you want to join me as a guest on the show, go to dfmpodcast.com. The Debt-Free Mom podcast is hosted by me, Carly Hill, and is produced, edited, and mixed by Kyle Hill. Music for this episode was written by Kyle Hill. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to join in with every new episode as we grow our confidence and contentment in our personal finances.